Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Hasn't that been great? Fantastic. Turn, if you would, to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. We'll finish up chapter 3 this morning. Colossians, chapter 3. I was uh, sharing uh, with my wife a Peanuts uh, cartoon this morning. And uh, it was one of uh, Linus... uh, was uh, watching a television show. And Lucy came in and said, uh, change the channel to another channel. And Lana said, whoa, 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 what what gives you the right to come in here and just immediately change the channel? And she said, these little fingers here individually are not a great deal. But when they curl up like this, (laughs) they become a force. And Lana said, what channel do you want to watch? (laughs) My wife curled up those fingers and said, now I'm not going to be there this morning, but you better behave. (laughs) And I said, what channel do you want to watch? (laughs) All right, Colossians chapter 3, a tremendous scripture here. Uh, And and, and it may be a little different uh, way that maybe you expect it to be taken. Uh, we, We still have church service here. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. A lot of things going on. Uh, You can ask my son and our staff. uh, When I came here, and incidentally, just speaking about coming here, that was after Matt. uh, Matt was here when I was here. That was one of the bright points of this church was the college kids uh, that that, uh, were part of this church. And, uh, man, there was just a special spirit here at this church. But when I came here, I had the idea that on Wednesday night, we all worship together, everybody. I mean, you could have uh, GAs and RAs earlier or later, but we're all going to worship together. And I did that. This is only the second church I pastored, the first church. We continually did that. My staff continually griped about it. And I continually said, I don't care. This is what we're going to do. And, uh, but when I came here, uh, this staff was one of those that wanted to, you know, do this. No. <laughs> I, as we began to grow, you know, just God opened different doors. And, and uh, you know, a lot of my friends think I've compromised. But I really think what's happened is, is that I have figured out that God can work through other ways besides just uh, corporate worship together. And uh, so we have great youth ministries and children's ministries and choir. Even in choir, I, sometimes they get more... Uh, spiritual up in choir than they do down here in the Bible study. So I've heard about those things. So I praise the Lord for that. But I'm going to speak this morning on Sunday morning religion. Now immediately you're going to say, well, he's going to bang us on the head to be here tonight. No, I'm really not. I'll be honest with you. At my age, I've come to the point, if you want to come, come. If you don't, stay home and watch whatever. Uh, It doesn't make any difference to me. Uh, we're going to continue to praise the Lord and worship the Lord. And I've learned that, that people have different needs. If you're a young adult, uh, man, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know, and my wife don't know what it's like uh, getting up and getting kids ready to go to daycare, three or four kids, and then have to both parents be at work at 7 o'clock or 6.30 or something. I have no idea what that's like. A lot of you young uh, couples use Sunday night as a way to get ready. 
Uh, I mean, I don't know that your husband appreciates that lunch on Friday that you made on Sunday night, but, but I mean, you know, I know you're doing all those things prepared, so I'm not here to knock that. What I'm here to talk about is the Sunday morning religion as opposed to worship. You see, most of us this morning thought we were going to come to worship. That's not biblically accurate. What we should have done is bring our worship with us. And most of us think that when we say amen, bless God, and we get out of here today, we're going to leave our worship right here and we're going to go on and do what we need to do. That's not biblically accurate. We need to take our worship with us. And so in Colossians chapter 3, he gives, and this is why my wife doubled up her fist, because she knows I stay in trouble all the time. So would you stand please in honor of God's holy word as we look at verse 16, Colossians chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, if you're a hymn-only person, verse 16 fits you. If you're a chorus person, verse 16 fits you. If you're a psalm person, verse 16 fits you. I, I, I think God is trying to get the idea across, let's just praise the Lord. And then verse 17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And then he said, wives, why is this in here? We're in worship. He said, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they become discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service or as men's pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ." But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. Father, would you take this word, hide it within our hearts. God, I pray this morning that I can preach like a dying man to dying people. We may never have another opportunity to meet together. We may never have another chance to lift our hands and say praise the Lord. Or sing, oh how I love Jesus before you come again for us. Lord, would you let your Holy Spirit just enter into this place and manifest himself and everything that's said or done may it honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to speak about the tragedy of Sunday morning religion. Now this scripture talks about praising the Lord. It talks about, the scripture says in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And that's what we've just done. My soul, we have just come before the very presence of God, singing hymns and choruses and psalms and all of that there. That's what we've done. But I want to tell you, the real proof of our worship is not what we did here this morning. The real proof of our worship is what we'll do tomorrow morning. 
and what we'll do Tuesday morning. He begins to talk about it in verse 17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed. Now he's talking about worship in verse 16. And then verse 17, he puts the feet to the prayers. What, 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 uh, whatsoever you do in word or deed. Uh, he's talking about our words up here in 16. Now he talks about our deeds. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now, somebody wrote these words. I'm not sure who. They're praising God on Sunday, but they'll be all right on Monday. It's just a habit they've acquired. Now, that kind of tick you off at first, and then you kind of get to looking at it, and you say, bless God, that may be about half true. Maybe a little bit more than half true. People don't expect us to be any different, really, on Monday morning. The proof of what I preach and the proof of what we've sung today is going to show up in the morning. Not here today. We're all in one accord. We're all worshiping the Lord. Sure, it's a great time. But the proof of what we're doing here today will be determined by what we do tomorrow and the rest of this week. Now, let me give you a de definition of worship. It's found here in verse 17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Here's the definition. Worship is doing everything in the name of Jesus and giving God thanks for it. That's what worship is. So it's doing everything in Jesus' name and giving God thanks for it. Now, look at verse 18. This is where the proof begins. He said, Wives, tomorrow morning... When you submit to, the Lord, to your husband, you'll be worshiping the Lord. Wow. You say, preacher, I never heard that before. Well, you need to hear it. It's right here. It all joins in. Don't take this scripture out of context. Don't, don't, uh, see, preachers use this scripture to put people on a guilt trip. Whatever you do, you need to do it for the glory of the Lord. Well, it's true. That's what the scripture says. But then he outlines what we ought to be doing for the glory of God. In order to please God, and, and uh, we, we ought to be, first of all, as wives, submitting to our husbands. Hmm. Now, and the husbands, tomorrow morning when you love your wife as Christ loved the church, and I'll just be honest with you, th this is one of those things, I'm going to get in trouble here, but this is one of those things where I'd almost want to be a transgender. Because I really think you women have it easier. I really do. I mean, you submit yourself to a husband. He's the covering over you. That's according to the scripture. But husband, you got to love your wife like Christ loved the church. According to what he did for the church, he died for the church. To me now, that, that, I mean, that carries a little bit more weight there. But anyway, we all got our part to fill. Amen? I still believe women are women and men are men, all right? Women, if you're here this morning, you need to submit to your husbands. Husbands, if you're here this morning, you need to love your wife, not like the bitter half, but the better half. That's what the Scripture says. Then he gets on down to children, and you can tie youth in there also. Don't grin at me like a possum there. I'll tell you what to do. <laughs> when you obey your parents in all things, you're pleasing to God. Now, let me just give you something here real quickly. These are not commands that Paul has given. Paul doesn't demand here, command that women submit yourselves to your husband. Paul does not command here that men, now you can find that in other places, but right here, Paul does not make this a commandment. You know what he says? He says, wives, if you'll submit yourself to your husband, you'll be pleasing to God. 
I don't know about you, but as, as weary as my life is, God is the last person that I don't want to be pleased. I want him to be pleased. Honestly, my thin skin, my skin is thick. You can say whatever you want to about me. But I don't want to leave here and then the Father say, you know what, I really wasn't pleased with that. We're to be pleasing. Then he said, fathers, deal with your children in such understanding and tenderness that you encourage them rather than discourage them. What happens when you encourage your children rather than discourage your children? I'll tell you what happens. The Bible says it pleases the Lord. It pleases the Lord. I'll never forget <clears throat> on an Easter Sunday, I think I may have told you this story before, but I had a deacon down in Port Natures that just gave me fits about my kids uh, and uh, on how to raise them. Now, you know, if you want advice on how to raise kids, just throw it out there on Facebook. You'll have every derelict in the world that'll tell you how to raise your children. And this guy was telling me how to raise my kids. And one Easter morning, his son came to visit our church. And so I told my wife, the Monday night uh, uh, we, on visitation, we need to go see his son. I'd never met him, didn't know him when he was there. And uh, so anyway, Becky and I went over there to see him. And I got there in his house. His hair was down past his back end there. And he had tattoos everywhere. And, and uh, this, was, this was 20 years ago. And he had beer and he had other liquor and all that. And we had a good little talk. And I prayed for him. And we went. And Becky said, oh, I'm so, so glad you didn't stay that long. I'm ready to eat. I said, we ain't got time to eat now. We got to make another visit. She said, what? I drove right over to his house. He's sitting out there in a swing. And I just walked up to him and I pointed my finger in his face. I said, don't you ever tell me how to raise my two boys again. Let me tell you something, fathers. You better get with God on raising your children. And every child is different. I've got one you can say a few words to and he'll pucker up and start crying. I don't know if it's show business or what, but he does that. I've got one you could beat the literal tar out of him and he wouldn't cry. So, but I'm telling you, every one of our children are different. You make sure you're not driving your kids to a point of discouragement because that's not pleasing to the Lord. That's not pleasing. And then he said employees. He covers everything here. When you go to your job tomorrow and you work for your boss, you work for him like he's Jesus. You say, I don't tell you, my boss could be a lot of people, but Jesus is not one of them. <laughs> but you still work for him like he's Jesus, amen? Because you're a child of the king. And he says, you, I, I hired a guy to paint here, oh, I don't know, a couple of months ago. And usually when, when I hire people, I've got another guy that I, I have a little work done. And if he happens to be sitting down or whatever, and they're all like that around here at the church too. Uh, if I happen to walk in and they're taking a break immediately, they quit their break. I thought, sit down, relax, you know. But this one guy I hired a couple of months ago to paint, every time I drove up, he's just kind of staring around. And he kept staring. I mean, I don't know if he, ever, he did get through painting, but I thought, you know, the least you could do when the boss drives up, act like you're doing something this morning, you know. But he never did. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, employees, don't be an eye pleaser. Don't be a man pleaser. When the boss comes in, don't jump up and act like you've been working all along when you hadn't done anything. 
You work as unto the Lord. Everything you do, do it for the glory of God. So, whatsoever you do, verse 23 says, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Now, why is that worship? Women, when you, when you submit to your husbands, wives, why is that worship? Husbands, when you love your wives as Christ loved the church, why is that worship? Because it glorifies God. And worship glorifies God. So everything we're to do is to be glorifying God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says it like this, Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. I don't, listen, if you're here this morning and you're a child of God, we don't have any right to do anything that's not going to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's out of our system. We, we must glorify Him. Now, glorifying God, that's what worship is. So when you go to work tomorrow, you pick up your tools, you're worshiping. You're pleasing to God. When you go out and get something to eat, you're worshiping. You say, that makes worship bigger than I thought it was. I sure hope it does. Because we ought to be a people who are worshiping the Lord. The, the, you know, I'll read some of these Facebook things. Got to go get my Jesus on this morning. <sighs> I'm just telling you, it burns me from the feet all the way up. Like you can walk on in this building, get your Jesus on, and then walk on out and leave him at the door. Listen, we don't get our Jesus on. We continually worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything we do, it needs to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Heard about a woman had this sign put over her sink. said, divine service is held here three times a day. When she washed dishes, she was praising the Lord. Now, you've got to be careful with that. I, I used to do that all the time. Especially I'd drive and I'd sing and I'd praise the Lord and I'd have prayer time and all that. I'm going to tell you, the older you get, you really need to pay attention to the road. You, you really ought to, I mean, you, you still need to pray. Thank God he knows what's in your heart, but you need to be very careful. Uh, I'm just telling you as a witness, you need to be very careful and pay attention to what's going on. Uh, there, there's no area of your life that faith ought not to reach. None. People say, well, I don't believe in mixing politics and religion. Well, brother, I do. I guarantee you, I do. I believe we ought to put our faith in everything we do. And if you can, cannot do something for the glory of God, then you have no business doing it. You just have no business doing it. I don't care what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about what we're doing on Monday morning, Tuesday morning. I'm not talking about what we're doing here in the church. There's, listen, there's no ground for the Christian that's not holy ground. No ground that's not holy ground. You ever seen a person that kind of gets religious when they come to church? I mean, they can be kind of a loud mouth, boisterous thing, but they walk in the door and, well, praise the Lord. I see preachers like that. They have two voices. They have a regular voice and then they have a ministerial voice. And I would like for you to turn in your Bibles. I mean, it's just almost more than you stand. I, I, <laughs> man. Everything we do ought to be for the glory of God. A Christian is naturally supernatural and supernaturally natural. Every place is holy. 
It's a holy ground. Every day is a spiritual day. If we could just get people to understand, we don't come to church to worship. We bring our worship with us. And we don't leave the worship at church. We carry our worship with us. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Now, there's three tests that we need to ask. I'm almost through. All right? Test number one is this. Is it consistent with the character of Christ? Is what I'm about to do consistent with the character of Christ? Now, if it's not, I don't need to be doing it. Is it consistent with the character of Christ? Now, the word name means character in the Bible. So the name of God and the character of God, they're inseparably linked. That you cannot separate them. The name of Jesus has meaning to it. It speaks of the character that Jehovah saves. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm to do something in the name of Jehovah saves. Now that's interesting because tomorrow there'll be a lot of things that I can't find anything in the Bible about. Uh, I can't find anything in the Bible about thou shalt not drive through a school zone at 100 miles an hour. It's not in there. I can't find anything that says thou shalt not smoke pot. It's just not in there. I can't find anything that says you don't go to an X-rated movie. I don't find anything in the Bible that says I should not look at dirty pictures. I find principles, but I don't find those specific things lined up. Thou shalt not do that. Now learn this. Christianity is not a rule book. Oh, could we understand that this morning? It's not a rule book. Uh, it's not a book of minute laws. The Bible is a book of great principles. Can it honestly be consistent with the character of Jesus Christ? Because if it can't, I don't need to be doing it. Let me give you this. You remember some of you older people when you first had your first date with your wife after your children were old enough to stay at home by themselves. You left them at home for the first time by themselves. And you and your wife went out to supper or you know, you'll get there. You'll get there. It, it, it'll, it'll happen. You, you, I remember it. You, you're saying, now be sure you turn out the fire. Don't, don't, don't light a fire. Don't let anybody in the house. Don't do this. Don't do that. I mean, you've got 35 different do not do this, do not do that. But along about that third or fourth time, you just skip on out of the house and say, hallelujah. You know what to do. Hey, as a child of God, we're not under minute laws. We ought to be living for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a bunch of don't do, don't do, don't do. It's a bunch of glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. The word stands for character. Does this fit with the character of Jesus? Hmm. Everything you do must be done in the name of Jesus. Second test is this. Can it be done in the authority of Christ? Authority. The character of Christ, but can it be done uh, with the uh, authority of Christ? Because not only does the name stand for character, the name Jesus stands for authority too. So can it be done in the character and can it be done in the authority? Example, if uh, some stranger walked into town down here and said, I want to buy 50 pizzas for Woodland Hills Baptist Church. Now, the first thing they need to do is say, well, you got a purchase order or you got a check or you got a credit card? No, I just want to buy 50 pizzas for Woodland Hills Baptist Church. Have them delivered over there. 
Well, anybody in a right mind will say, well, you go back to the church and have somebody of authority call here and we'll deliver the pizzas. Well, we're not going to deliver them for just anybody. If I give you a check today, let me tell you the first thing you need to do is go down to the bank and cash it for it's no good. That's the first thing you need to do. No, if I give you a check today, that check is good because my name is on that check. I have the authority to take money out of that account. I give you that check. I have that authority. If I don't have that authority, if we're trying to do something without the authority of Jesus Christ, then we don't need to be doing it. We don't need to be doing it. That name on that check stands for me and my authority. So not only tomorrow am I looking at the character of Jesus, I'm looking at the authority of Jesus. I go out to live, I go out to be consistent with his character, and and then to be consistent with his authority. Now, he says this, you're to live your life in the authority of Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture says. Wives, submit to the husbands, that's the authority of Jesus. Husbands, love your wives, that's the authority of Jesus. Children, obey your parents, that's the authority of Jesus. Employees, when you go to work, do that, that's the authority of Jesus. School kids, when you do your homework, do it in the name of Jesus, that's the authority of Jesus. You've got to have the character, is it the character of Jesus? Because I'm going to tell you, you've got all these questions you want to ask, is it okay if I do this? This is a simple three test. Does it conform to the character of Jesus? If it doesn't, then don't do it. Does it fall under the authority of Jesus? Would Jesus put his name on it? Remember when, I don't know if they still do now or not, used to have bats with Ted Williams' name on them. I don't know, do they still do that? They're all aluminum now. Ted never used an aluminum bat. But anyway, he would sign his name on it. That meant he agreed with that bat there. He was standing good for that bat there. Ian Thomas has a way of saying it, the great preacher. I just vacate and he occupies. I vacate and he occupies. And I vacate and he occupies. And the first thing you know, my life is one big vacation. (laughs) That's pretty good. I vacate, he occupies. That's the authority of Jesus. Let me give you the third test. The character of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, and then thirdly, will what I do result in glory to Jesus? Will, will, will it result? I, man, my mom and daddy used to ask me all the time when I'd leave to go out in high school. They'd say, now remember, Jesus could come back. My mom and dad had been telling me that for years. Jesus could come back. You don't want him to come back. Were you doing something that would embarrass you and him? Hmm. I mean, if what I'm going to do, is it going to result in the glory to Jesus? Because that's the third thing. In the name means. In the name for that person's praise or for that person's glory. We do that in your name. They meant we did it for your honor. We did it for your honor. Everything we're to do today is to be for the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, I don't know that I can do that. Really? Look at the whole picture. Because, see, we, we just heard a beautiful story today in music, tremendous, about the fact that a God left heaven and everything to come to earth. And he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's it. He loved you so much that he died on a cross so that you could go free. You could be set free. And you're going to tell me that you can't do things for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? Mm. 
Well, whatever you do, he said, verse 23, do it heartily. Uh, you're, you're serving the Lord on your job. You're, you're doing it in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you, some of you are not happy with your job, and, and it may be that you need to pray and God give you another job. But it could mean that God's got you there to be a missionary right where you are. It could mean that God could use you. I mean, I, 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 I would say the same thing. I, I'm serious. That's one of the things that impressed me when I came to this church. That they did Wednesday night meals and the college kids ate free. I thought, that's good. Now, can you imagine the influence that Sheila had on a guy like Matt? You say, well, I wasn't thinking anything about it. No, but you were doing it for the glory of God. And God gets the glory. <laughs> and, and God uses it. And he wants to use us the same way. Mm. I wish somebody would have told me years ago when I was in school or college that when we do our homework, we ought to be doing it for the glory of God. I never got past that. Uh, but it's a good thing. Uh, some of you kids here this morning, you've got parents that are unsaved. That they don't know the Lord. But you know what? If you were to live a life that looked at the character of Christ and looked at the authority of Christ and looked at the glory of God, your parents could see Jesus in you. Same thing with adults. Some of you have got parents. They've been living years and years and they, they don't, they, this is just stuff, man. It's a crutch. But they need to see a testimony. A testimony. I uh, was thinking as I was watching Auburn do a tremendous job yesterday. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about that huddle. Do you know in football they have a huddle? They huddle up. They spend a lot of time huddling. The goal of the huddle is to give you 30 seconds to call the play and get everybody in line and know what you're doing. And there may be 60,000 people watching that huddle. And they don't, I mean, they seem like they don't mind. No one I've heard of ever took a slam against the huddle and said, we ought to cut out the huddles. I mean, it seems like the 60,000 people watching the huddle, they don't mind watching the huddle. It's a necessary part of playing the game. But I want to tell you something, if you don't know this or not, those 60,000 people didn't pay 40, 50, 60, maybe 100, maybe more than that to get in a game to watch a huddle. They want to watch what happens after that huddle. That's what they want to watch. Now, you listen to me. We're in a huddle this morning. We're all in unity and agreement. We're huddled around. We're praising the Lord. This is our huddle. But I want to tell you, this is not the real game here, folk. The game happens when we walk outside. The game happens when we go to the in-law's house or the daughter-in-law's house or the son-in-law's house. I could go on and on. It happens when we go out into this world to our jobs or when we go to school. That's where the game is. We're not here just to huddle. But you know what? In Christianity, that's what we do. I'll get 15 phone calls to talk with 15 different preachers by in the morning. 
And everybody will be wanting to know what happened in the huddle. Y'all have a good huddle? Everybody happy? People rejoicing in your huddle? Nobody's interested in what happens on Monday. We're too wrapped up with the huddle. We've got our whole mind off of what we ought to be doing. Because we're having fun in the huddle. And if I was a quarterback like that, getting hit every other time, I think I'd spend more time in the huddle. I'd say, let's huddle up a little closer, boys. Spend a little more time here. We don't need to spend any more time in the huddle. We, we, we've got our directions from the Lord. Everything needs to fit the character of Jesus. Everything ought to come under the authority of Jesus. And everything we do ought to glorify the Lord Jesus. Now let's break the huddle and get outside and do what God called us to do. Hmm. Some of you this morning, you need to do step one, and that's believing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let me tell you, you can't do it on your own. You can try. Go ahead, try. I guarantee you there's testimony after testimony of people in this church right here who will tell you, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this. Nothing works until you understand there's only one way. There's not a good way to go to heaven. There's not a best way to go to heaven. There's one way to go to heaven. And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. And I'm going to ask you this morning to come down this aisle. You say, preacher, I don't even know what I'm going to say. That's all right. The people we got here, they don't know what they're going to say either. They're trusting the Lord to give them the message for you. So you just come and say, I I don't know what to do. I know I'm not doing it now. And then the main part of this worship is for those of us who've already been saved and all we've spent our whole life doing is huddling. I mean, we huddle Sunday morning, we huddle Wednesday night, we huddle Sunday night. We huddle all different times at conferences and all, and we're spending all our time huddling. Maybe today God said, by faith, you need to get out of the huddle. You need to go somewhere. You need to do something. You need to be a blessing to somebody. I mean, I want to tell you, some of you here, if you was a blessing to somebody, they'd end up in a heart attack in a hospital. Because your life is, is not one that has glorified the Lord. You say, well, I, I didn't come to No, you haven't either. Change that. You can be the greatest change and influence on people all around you. Get out of the huddle and go to work for Jesus. Father, thank you this morning for the joy to be in this worship service. Thank you that there is great joy here. And Lord, we're, we're rejoicing in all the great blessings that you've given us. And I pray today, Lord, Lord, I pray. I know there are lost people here. You've already shared that. Lord, I know that. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, would you so encourage them that they would say, I can't go any longer. I've got to come today. I've got to be saved today and be a part of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to bring character into him. I want to work under his authority. And I want to do everything for the glory of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you let your spirit have control in this place today? We love you. Thank you for what you're going to do right now in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen.